learn the most advanced recruiting techniques, land the most desirable talent, launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Good afternoon, everyone. Today, we're talking about the importance of a strong team when shopping to investors. One of the most critical elements to being funded is who the team is and who's leading the charge. My name is Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. The mission of our show is to solve the most difficult hiring challenges to help your company secure the strongest talent. Today, our guest is Peter Polydor, CEO and founder of Ergo Capital and the startup accelerator Ergo Excel. In 2014, he founded the Eureka Building, which everybody knows here in Irvine, I'm sure, a uh, three-acre startup and tech community based in Irvine that uh, is designed to foster innovation and house entrepreneurs. Uh, the site is home to over 30 companies ranging from startups to a large public company. Peter also sits on the boards of, as well as advisory boards of a number of portfolio companies and startups. Uh, further to his work at Ergo, he's a professor in practice at uh, University of Wales, the charter member of Canadian Seed 100, recipient of Greek 40 under 40, and um, also Power 30 under 30 awards. He's got more awards than uh, the LA Kings for sure. <laughs> Uh, he received his, uh, his uh, BA from Occidental College and his MBA from Ox uh, University of Oxford said business school. Sorry, I'm having a blah, my tongue is not working today. Peter, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thanks, thanks for having me. I mean, it's, not, it's a talk show, so you don't have to worry about your tongue, right? I know. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for some reason, I have at least one mix-up every episode where my tongue just doesn't work well. Okay, well, we got it out of the way then. I know, totally. Perfect. So I'm, I'm stoked. So points to cover today. I want to cover a couple of things. Um, number one, the importance of, of, of a strong team and what attracts you as an investor. Um, having a plan and, and being able to pivot. Um, the strategy for how and when to engage a recruiter and how to recruit people. And uh, also the position your team has to be in order to be attractive to investors. So let's talk about what the ideal company looks like for you as an investor and, and what you look for in a team. Sure. Um, well, any investor, one of the first things we want to see is, okay, great idea. Who, who's building it? Yep. And who's behind it? Who's driving it? Because execution risk is a big part of any investment we do. So from our standpoint, we always look for a couple of different things in teams. One, they got to have the domain expertise. Sure. If you're coming to us with a company that's building a technology platform for banks, okay, who's worked in banking? Yep. If no one has, that's a red flag. Yep. Uh, same things. Okay, so if you're building a tech platform, again, for that bank, great. Who's built a platform before? Yep. Wait, no one? Okay, another red flag. So whatever you're building, you need to have, you need to have people who have the expertise and knowledge in those industries and also... You need to have the the, the, the skill sets needed to build what you're promising your customers you're going to build. Yep. Um, and that's it seems like a very obvious thing, but a lot of the times uh, you'll have companies that have are, are find themselves being really weak in in those areas, and they haven't even identified it. Yeah, and I've seen that a lot too. You know, just in various networking events, people who have this great idea for something they're building, but they really don't have any expertise in that area. Yeah, 
Um, even and they'll even have a great pitch sometimes. Yeah. Um, because they've done their research and they they they've learned uh they've learned a lot about the industry, which is a good thing. Um, but a lot of the times you don't know about them in practice, right? Sure. So um, the reason I asked, like, say, a fintech platform for banking, um, you need to know how banks operate. Mm -hmm. You need to know, okay, what's the what's my entry point into that bank? You need to know once I'm in that bank, what are the what are the the roadblocks I'm going to hit? You know, am I going to have regulatory issues? Am I if I'm touching the core banking systems? That's a whole other uh, can of worms you're opening up. Oh, absolutely. So, and, and these are the kinds of things that you might not know have you not actually sat in that chair and dealt with that situation. Before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So say they've got a team mm -hmm. and there, there is some of that expertise. It's, uh, it's there. What else do you look at? Um, in terms of when we make investments? Yes. In the team? Yeah. So um, a lot of things we also like is just past experience, meaning not necessarily, great, you built this at Microsoft or you built this at Google. Um, but you built this, uh, built this incredible platform and team, uh, with like five people in a startup or 10 yep. people in a startup, or you built it from five people to be 200 people that shows, um, a certain breadth of knowledge and a desire for, uh, or a breadth of knowledge and, and a desire to be able to adapt. Sure. And um, grit to it, stick with it. Exactly. Cause yeah. like it's, 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 it's a whole different ball game when you're, it's you and your founder building a company. Mm -hmm when it goes from that to hiring your first employee, because all of a sudden now you have this thing called human resources. Oh, yeah. And you have all these kinds of legal issues that you don't know about. Sure. You have all these kinds of, of challenges. And also, at the end of the day, you now have people who depend on you and your company for their livelihood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, it's a commitment. And it's, it's, a, it's a promise you're making to those people that you're going to build this company. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it, it changes the game. So how do you go from, from startup uh, so I'm founding a company from startup to scale up to big business. Yeah. And yeah. those are different skill sets. And, and you know, what I see too is there's an entirely different mindset when you come from, hey, I worked on a platform team at Microsoft, as you mentioned, to shift into that mode where you're drinking water out of a fire hose every day mm -hmm. is a difficult shift sometimes. And uh, on the other end with that too, at Microsoft, you have a lot of resources. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can farm out a lot of things. You have entire operations that are there oh, yeah. at your disposal with budgets that are obscene. Mm -hmm. When you're at a startup, it's you. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I, I've, I've, chat, I've, I've seen some really great people who have come across and joined companies as CTOs. And when they're going through that process, because if they're not already part of the team, after we invest, one of the things we like to do is we actually um, offer to interview those people and help them pick those people because a lot of the times you'll have a guy who's like, yeah, I was a CTO at Panasonic. Yeah. I don't know where that just yeah. came out of my mind, but yes. That works. And uh, that's great. If he was in that role and he was actually just farming out a lot of the work to the rest of the team, he doesn't have the skill sets or she doesn't have the skill sets that you need. Yeah, because you need a CTO that can get in and actually code. Code. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's, it's one of those weird things where like, oh, I'm just going to be managing our outsourced development. I'm like, well, you don't have any money. So to do that <laughs> so outsourced development, that. yeah, like how, what are you building? Yeah. We, we, you can't manage a division. There is no division. There's you. You are the tech team. Yep. So it's, it's, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. So how much does chemistry of the team come into play? What do you look for? One of our questions that we like to ask a lot is, you know, so how long have you known each other? Mm -hmm. um, and then we go down the road of, okay, great. Where did you meet? How'd you meet? It's totally like that question. It's like, oh, that's so cute. that's so great. You guys just got married. Where'd you meet? What was the engagement story like? You know, sure. it's the same kind of process because these are the, these are worse than investors. They are your absolute partners in this deal. Sure. 
and chances are they own they as are much as you. Yeah, it's essentially it is, uh, and it's one that uh, you cannot get divorced from yeah. without you know just selling everything and destroying the destroying the house, right? Yeah, um, it's one of those situations you can't split a baby. Yep. Um, and so we want to make sure that one, the chemistry is there, that you two have worked together, <laughs> you've dealt with challenges. I haven't heard that analogy before. You yeah, can't well, split you, a baby. you can't split the baby. Um, <laughs> and oh, they have these. They, they, they've come overcome adversity together. Mm-hmm. That's always a big thing because yeah. it's very easy to be friends with someone when they're always happy. There's no challenges. Things seem to be going well. The problem is when something hits the fan for one of them, how does the other respond? Yep. And when it becomes a roadblock for the both of them or when one person makes an error that affects the other person, how have they dealt with that? So chemistry is crucial. Yeah, totally. And so there's got to be a certain level of resilience that you look for in those stories. Yes, okay. you want well, you want to make sure that they made it to the other end. <laughs> like you got past that roadblock. We we just met last week, and you know we had an issue. Uh, we met at the Taco Bell drive-through, and well, I you know, what's funny <laughs> is I just had my first pitch where when I asked that question, they said, "Yeah, we met on an app," and I'm like, uh, "Okay, wow." So how long have you known each other? It's like about two months. And I said, "Okay, um, tell me about that whole that whole story." And it's it's they they met on an app design was it one of those swipe right swipe left Rob, uh, it, it was um and they, okay. they they came to the, the understanding that no they weren't interested in each other romantically they're interested in each other um from a business perspective okay uh and that was a new one for me i'm still trying to figure out how to address that um because so, yeah how do you find out compatibility i mean whether or not they're going to work well together. yeah i'm not going to trust the swipe right swipe left method on that i know right uh so it's one of those things I said, great, let's, you're too early for us right now, so we'll track you for six months and see how things go. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the third element would be, what, a plan? Somebody has a plan <laughs> for what they're so, going for I their mean, team? Uh, in any company that's looking for investment, um, uh, we, you're not going to have everyone you need on board the day you come to us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we really uh, put a lot of onus on the entrepreneurs to have identified where they're weak and where they're strong. And also whatever gaps they have in their team right now, which are mission critical and which aren't. So they really, okay. So you're putting an emphasis on self introspection Mm -hmm. and, and how they're going to develop. Well, it's, it's not just self introspection. It's also, okay. You've going back to my FinTech banking company. Yeah. uh, You've never sold to a bank before. Yep. So who are you going to hire that's done B2B sales and banking? Because uh, it's a completely different animal. Uh, if you've never done that, if you've done B two C, if you've done B two B, it's it's a completely different animal. Now, how many of those people actually have somebody identified for that role? More more often, like, we look at it like that's a great thing to have. So a lot of them have already identified people they'd want to they they've either reached out to, they've had conversations with, they've been chatting with, they've been you know um, courting different relationships. Yeah, uh, and that is a very strong uh, signal to us that they know what they're doing yeah. because they've already identified that like, we have, listen, we have this top sales guy. He, he does sales for Oracle into the banking world. Sure. And he's been doing it for 20 years. And he and wants his to Rolodex looks like this. It's huge. He, yeah. Okay. So. And he's, he's, uh, he or she, sorry, she's tired of, of the big company culture. She wants to get in something with, where she's getting equity. She's got tons of money. So she's not worried about her salary for the next year. That's a great fit. Yeah. And he's got a good wound, so he's motivated to leave. Yeah. yeah that's what, something I talk a lot about is career wounds. And oh, really? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, don't engage people unless they have career wounds. That's just my little plug. All right, let's move okay. on. So 
the the value of a recruiting plan though how much of an emphasis is that in your decision to make a a um an investment so our methodology follows and circles around milestones okay. milestone achievements so in that when you're raising capital say you're raising a million dollars from us mm-hmm. uh we want to know more or less what that million is going to be used for Absolutely. not not necessarily down to the dollar itself but to have an idea of okay great you're looking to spend $150,000 on new hires and you're looking to spend half a million on marketing and another quarter million on your platform and so on and so forth. Sure. So great. Who are those new hires? And it's really important to have a, uh, what I really love seeing is, is an organizational chart of the company with the titles of the people that you need and a priority marker of some sort saying, this is a very high priority that we get this person to be the head of sales because now we have our beta approved and we need to get more customers. Or we're really weak on the tech side. Our CTO was great in the first rendition, but now he's way over his head. Yeah. So we need to hire someone uh, who can either be his co-CTO or take over that role and be the developer. You need to identify those, but also identify, okay, this is something I'm gonna, we're going to accomplish in the next three months. So the plan is essential. It is. It is. Okay. So chemistry, expertise, past experience, and the plan. I mean, those are really the four elements that have to cut into, right? So we're gonna we're we're talking to Peter Polidor, founder and CEO of Ergo Capital. We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk through really um, how maybe you advise some of your executives as you're building these things out and what what they um the, the right way to approach recruiting and how to use a recruiter in, in doing this. We'll be right back. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Hire Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Hire Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the show. This is the Hire Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and today our guest is Peter Polidor. Founder, CEO of Ergo Capital, and founder of the Eureka Building here in Irvine. We just covered um, kind of the format for what needs to happen when you are, you know, lining up uh, investors. And now we're going to talk about uh, Peter's role and kind of how he advises and, and from a recruiting perspective, and what a founding team member needs to do before they approach investors. So let's talk about how you advise your executives. I, you started to get into a little bit before the break, you know, having milestones. Sure. Um, so how much kind of key hire involvement do you, do you uh, uh, are you brought into the, the process? From that standpoint, like once we're an investor, um, even beforehand, I, you always want a second opinion. Sure. At least... The kind of entrepreneurs we want to back, they want a second opinion. Sure, right? sure. Because you want uh, more information versus less whenever you're making a decision that is going to impact your company either 
uh, positively or potentially negatively. Yeah. Because you you know better than most that a bad hire is is it's just so an caught. anchor yeah. on a company's growth. Um, I think you actually even taught taught me once that um, one bad hire uh, affects two other employees uh, negatively. Least. So you're, yeah. you're talking about a, like if you have a ten person company startup, right? Yeah. Ten person company. And one bad hire affects you. That's thirty percent of your workforce now is not productive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it's 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 an important thing that they ask uh, for that advice. So a lot of the companies um, will actually come to us and they ask those questions first. So hey, we're now going out for stage two. We're now going for this this piece of it where we're we're looking to hire a new uh, enterprise salesperson. I like sure. using that, that that term because that's a certain skill set. Sure. Um, and one of our companies that we haven't even invested in yet, we've uh, we're in diligence on tracking. I'm, I'm, catching up with them again next week they um they were building out their team they uh they've they've grown from uh 20 employees uh, sorry 15 employees they're going to 35 and uh they were asking do i know anyone in these these spaces and they've already hired now uh one of those people that i forwarded off to them because they were just a good fit and they were people someone that i knew and trusted yeah and it worked out really well for them and it has so far like now they that person has uh overperformed what their plan is. So that's one of the things that- And it works out really good for you as an investor as well. Yeah, because now I know that someone, I have another point of contact in the company that is uh, really, uh, that I know is going to perform and do well. And and when you get to the VC level, a lot of the VC firms inject like their CFO or or somebody who's an EIR into the process at that point as well. Yeah, and that's- I feel like that's that. That's what you get a lot with Silicon Valley because yeah. you've got there's you know there's like I look at it like there's two types of VCs. You have the the type of VC that has a billion under management, therefore has a lot of management fees and needs to under uh, needs to provide a value for those fees. Yeah, and a lot of that time is having EIRs, having in-house marketing teams, having all these in-house recruiting teams, in-house are, recruiting yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, talent acquisition is, yeah. is what they like to to, to, to title them as. Uh, and community builders are the yep. other ones, yep. um, but that's and that's comes at a cost though. You're going to those those big guys; they have to take more of your company and inject more money into it, sure. and that may be more than you need. But you have all these other pieces to it, sure. um, and depending on which type of VC and we're the other type, we're more so. We we know lots of people in the industries that we invest, and we look for opportunities to help connect them. And at the same, sorry, go ahead. No, now do you insist upon when you are actually somebody's in the interview process and they're thinking about making a key and hire, are you insisting that, Hey, I want to be, I want to at least meet the person. Yes. Okay. Um, meet the person, give you my feedback on the person, depending on who that key hire is. If it's a C-level person, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If it's your, your new salesperson, I'll absolutely offer if you want me to be in that interview to give you a second opinion or to meet with the person. But, uh, I'm not trying to dictate how you run your company. I'm also not trying to um, make you feel like you're not working for yourself because you are. Sure. We, uh, the way I always like to describe myself and ergo is that we are sober second thought. We are your, <laughs> I like um, that. your uh, advisors with that are aligned with your values mm-hmm. that are going to give you advice that we would take ourselves. Uh, because at the end of the day, I always like to say, uh, being an entrepreneur is like standing at the edge of a minefield, seeing a pot of gold across that minefield and deciding, ah, what the hell, I'm going to go across this thing and try and get it. And as investors, uh, and you know, I was an entrepreneur, sold a company years ago. Mm-hmm. As uh, as that role, we we want to try to point out, okay, watch out, there's gonna be mines over here and mines over there. So that way, you have a better chance of getting that pot of gold. So yeah, so you're basically giving them the metal detector in a way, or at least a, a half broken one. 
Exactly. <laughs> no one has a metal detector, <laughs> yeah, right? no matter what they tell you. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. So at least they can kind of navigate and look at, or you're educating them a little bit beforehand be, to look for the little bumps in the sand sure. or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's also knowing what you don't know, right? Yeah. Don't be afraid to, to, to ask questions. And for instance, like chatting with you when it comes to uh, the rules around California, the rules around hiring, <laughs> oh, the, God, rules, yeah. the rules, the rules, like it's a, it's a scary prospect that you, you need to make yeah, sure that you scarier. have the right advice. I know yeah. you have the right uh, advice around, you know, you <laughs> new rules can't, you can't even ask certain, certain questions and that list getting bigger. Yeah. As of, as of January, you can't ask people what they're currently making. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, it's not an important question at all when you're trying to see if they're a fit for your company. No, not one bit. Because if someone's making $300,000 and your 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 salary goal is like 75, it's not probably going to make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um when somebody's in the recruiting process, when do you instruct them to use a recruiter versus kind of doing it themselves? At what point, you know, are you kind of bringing an outside third party to help them out? So, or are they doing it? So it, usually it's it's a combination, right? We, we'll mm-hmm. make a recommendation, or they will they'll get to that point where they say like, okay, we need help identifying the right people. Yeah, uh, and it, that typically comes right around like the Series A and Series B. So you're talking about when the company's actually got significant cash for growth, yeah. and they're looking to take their team from five people to twenty. Sure, a seed funded company is not going to be able to afford a recruiter. No, and yeah. nor and nor does it nor make the, sense. Nor should they. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. And, and when you get to that point, because what you're doing is now you're filling out middle management, really. Yeah. Um, and, and top talent, too. So or, if you're trying... or replacing an executive that, you know, isn't quite. Exactly. That's what I was about bar. to say. Yeah. 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 So that's like or you're dealing with that aspect where someone's outgrown their their skill sets as a founder, yeah. which is not a bad thing. Like no. I actually I actually like kudos to founders who realize their limitations and step back from whatever that role is to have a different role that's suited to them where they're still helping their company out. But they're helping their company. They're not trying to. Yeah. But at the or, same time, or step away if yeah. need be. We had a we had a person on last week that he was one of the founding uh, team members over at Acorns, and you know they pivoted. They went in a different direction. He just he's he left them in a better place, and and you know it was all good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's someone who puts the company first. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if you are a, a team full of people who put company first. Uh, especially on the founding level, yeah. then your company has a, that much higher chance of success. Yeah. So I'm a company and I'm thinking, hey, I need to get some some money. <laughs> <laughs> what should a founding team do once I've got, uh, you know, once I've got kind of some traction, I've got my seed funding and I'm kind of ready to go for that series A, what should I do before I approach you as an investor? So... What's great is if you're that company, you've done the seed and you're out in the market, so you actually have a customer maybe too. Yeah. Um, make sure they're happy customers yeah. because that's going to be the first call that we're going to make as investors uh, because it's the easiest thing for us to do on diligence. Uh, and my uh, the example I like to use is if, say, we're investing in automotive technology. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about cars other than how to drive them and you know some of the, the basics, if you will. Sure. Um, I guarantee you the executive running a division of Ford, who's your customer, knows way more about cars than I do. Sure. I'm going to call him and say, why are you using this product? Yeah. How has the team been? How have they performed? Did they make promises they couldn't deliver or did they deliver on promise uh, or did they over uh, under promise and over deliver to you? Because these are all signs of a team that um, is very thoughtful and methodic, uh, methodical about how they uh, approach new opportunities and growth. Sure. Um, so that's one. Okay. Two is if you're raising this money, 
have a very clear picture as to what you're going to spend it on. And if a big portion of that, which most likely will be, is on new people, have those roles identified, including what you expect that job description to be. Not not necessarily written out, but what are the three, four, five things that each person needs to have to fit that role? I, I would take that just a step further. Actually define out what the the actual work is, like what they're going to be doing in maybe the first mm-hmm. 60, 90 days, mm-hmm. what they need to accomplish. And then taking it a step further from the perspective of making sure that they start to identify some people that might be target people, mm-hmm. right? Just put in a little bit of work on what that ideal person looks like. Oh, absolutely. That's what I was yeah. saying beforehand. Yeah. Like make sure if you've, you know what that, that role is and you're already talking to those people, that's great. Yeah. It, it just makes it makes it so much easier because now you know that there's interest one in your company from people who are already out in the industry and are willing to take that risk. Yeah. Which again, great sign to us that people are willing to leave their cushy job at Oracle to come work for your little software company. Yeah. So yeah. It, it 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 has those different pieces of it. Now, how do you feel about hiring buddies? I have a buddy <laughs> who does this. Um, hiring buddies. <laughs> so this is always like kind of a fun subject, right? I have you know, a friend I've, who I've known for a bunch of years, and he kind of can do this job. We think, but it's know. it's so it's it's a, it, that's when you have to ask the question to yourself and honestly answer it. How good of a buddy is this person? Is this someone that you know you you hang out with occasionally, you've met, but you know you're not actually like super super close as friends? Yeah, that's less scary to me than this guy's one of my best friends. Because what happens is innately, you are running this company and you're hiring someone. Doesn't matter if they've been your buddy for ten years or you met them on the street; they're now your employee. Yep. And that opens up a whole host of things. And oh, and, and I say, but the, the thing yeah. is, typically you know someone for a period of time before you hire them. Sure. Even even uh, uh, so, uh, Taylor Decker, who runs Eureka, I'd known her for years beforehand because she was. Um, running the office of a nonprofit that I was on the board of. Okay. And uh, that nonprofit was, uh, uh, there was an, o- an opportunity for me essentially to offer her a job. So you recruited her? I recruited her. Nice. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> she's been uh, absolutely awesome. And she, she's she's really stretched, you know, like she she's fit into this role because that was not her necessarily her skill set beforehand. But these kinds of people, they're, they're, you just need to find the right attitudes and the right, uh, skill sets and the desire to learn, because if you're surrounded by people who want to constantly be learning more, that means that they're improving their skill sets. They're getting better at what they do. They can take on more responsibility because they're the things that used to take them hours of time are mm-hmm. now taking them minutes. Oh yeah, and it's just it's just it's just a wonderful thing. Oh absolutely. And just, you just have to make sure that you reward them because they are uh, achieving those goals, and you have to uh, give them more opportunities to stretch and learn. Yeah, and which is. Easier said than done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have a lot more successful startups, I would imagine. All right. So uh, takeaways. Um, what would you, uh, having the plan um, is, is such a key thing. And, and also, you know, knowing where you're going with the people that you're trying to hire is just. It's true. And, and, and the thing I, I want to stress, because even on these, like talking about hiring a friend or I know this guy or this person's really great. Just be honest with yourself. Yeah. Don't, don't try, you know what is needed. Don't try and create a position for someone um, at your company that doesn't really help your company. Oh, yeah. But 
understand what the position is and whether that person can really provide what's needed and also, you know, and if they can't, they, they can learn what's needed. Yeah. And that's that's equally as important because if you're teaching someone, you, you don't have to correct bad habits. You're creating the habits that fit your culture and your company. Well, and, and you should essentially be able to make sure that they're committed to it as well. I mean, if they really oh, yeah. need more than... Sorry, I, one, of, one of my big things uh, is always aligning of interests. Yeah. Because if you don't have people um, heading the same route and on board with the same plan, you're going to have issues. Yeah. And, and I, I've written about this too, where, you know, it's a lot like, like getting across a river. Um, and if you're leading your team and your goal is to get to the tree that's across the river, you have to fight the current. And there's lots of ways you can do it. But the idea is, as long as you can tell your team, that's the goal, that's where we're heading to. Yeah. They'll find other ways to get there. Yeah. But as long as they are aligned with that target and that is your goal, hey, they might find a better way to do it than you will. And that's why you need to listen to your team and make sure you have good people around you. Such great advice today. So we're just about about out of time for today's show. Peter, thanks so much for uh, for your time investment today. And welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. Man, hopefully I'll get my time to work at some point today. But um, now um, I'm sure there's going to be people listening that are going to want to reach out to you. They maybe are looking for investment or, or interested in the Eureka building. How do they reach out? Oh, well, the, the, the easiest thing is, um, especially because we have the accelerator or the, the capital page, just go to ergo.vc, okay. E-R-G-O dot V-C, um, and that'll take you to our main page. Dot com dot... Dot V-C, like venture okay, capital. Sorry. Uh, we also have ergocapital.com, but okay. um, it just leads you right to it, and uh, you can apply for the accelerator, or you can reach out to us on the contact page. Sounds great. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in today to today's episode of Higher Power. Quick shout out to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. To listen to this show or any past episodes, you can check out Hire, that's H-I-R-E, we're not a religious show, powerradio.com, or Hire Power Radio on iTunes. For the latest insights on the show, follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Or you can follow me on Twitter, and that's uh, at Rick underscore Gerard. So tune in next week. Our show, our guest on the show is going to be Robert Davis, founder and CEO of Y7 Collective and Communities for Causes. I'm your host, Rick Girard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Girard on OC Talk Radio.